Imagine a radio pro who starts managing radio groups in small markets. Now, listen to this. Builds trust through relationships, training, and building strong sales departments. You know, managing radio today takes a variety of skills, but in essence, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. People produce results. Today's guest has a firm understanding of that idea and has a career track record of using that idea to produce great results. That's an ideal person for us to talk to on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Are you ready? To enjoy our episodes, the only thing that you need is to be interested in others, want to grab some thoughts and wisdom about how others are being successful in radio right now. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. What you're about to hear will be focused on lifting you up, giving you good advice, and hearing stories of an amazing radio pro, as well as uncovering the path forward in radio right now. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm from Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Listen, we help local broadcasters grow ratings and revenue. An independent broadcaster called me recently and said, I'm frustrated. As much as I've loved this business, the new challenges often leave me feeling alone. Well, you don't have to go it alone. Many of our clients start off talking with us about concerns about how much our services might cost. Our focus is actually on making our clients money, not costing them. We do get paid, but look, we're not driven by money. Our focus, our passion is leveling the playing field for our independent local radio clients. Programming help? Yes. But Rainmaker Pathway also knows what you know. Sometimes you need ideas to sell more, and we bring ideas to clients, sales managers, and individual sellers that change negatives into positives. Our first consultation is free and confidential, no matter if you become a client or not. Tell us your problems. We're listening. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. We're only about a minute away from talking with Mark Bass. Now, he's the market manager, Centennial Broadcasting, WBQB, WFVA, Fredericksburg, Virginia. And of course, you can see our full guest calendar all the way until April. We are already scheduling that far ahead in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com. We do not lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do this because we believe in this crazy idea that we call the theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometimes. I'll be glad to share it with you. Go to rainmakerpathway.com anytime. See what you can get for absolute free from our team. Mark, welcome to the Encouragers and the Radio Rally. How are you, sir? I am well, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. You sound great. Listen, where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. We spent a little bit of time there, uh, uh, we moved to Georgia, and then we went to uh, Talladega, Alabama, uh, where I whoa, went. Whoa, to, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow down a minute. Okay. What part of what part of Georgia were you in? Oh, this was Macon, Fort Valley area. I was a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, and then you went to Talladega. Yep. My right. uh, my father, um, he used to manage uh, convenience stores for big chains, and uh, they had some connection. My 
dad and my mom had some connection to Talladega. So he visited there once and came back and said, we're moving and I'm buying my own store. He's like, okay. So we moved. Wow. To so he made the jump into actual ownership at that point. Yep. Yeah. And did you work in these stores? Oh, slave labor. Yes, sir. <laughs> Room, yeah, and board. Old- Room and board. <laughs> Yeah, that's old school right there. You don't even ask, right? You just put people to work. Oh, yeah. So how uh, how did radio pop into your life? Well, um, I was going to uh, high school, and they had a uh, high school beauty pageant, and they asked me to uh, emcee the pageant. Uh, when the pageant was over, uh, the school counselor came up to me and said, you really need to be in radio. And I said, huh? Okay. And just so happened that, that she knew the guy that loaned that owned the small uh, radio station in town. She set up an appointment. I went by, met a guy named Don Stevens, and he said, "Come on back." And you know, everybody had that. Oh, we got to go through this process. You know, look on their face. He put me back in a production room, gave me some wire copy. He ripped off the AP machine. Most people don't know what that is. Um, and, uh, no, most people now don't know what that is. Right, <laughs> right. And um, uh, so I, I taped, you know, a few stories. He came back in, listened to it and said, you want a part time job? And I said, absolutely. I didn't know what I was going to be doing, but sure. <laughs> uh, so for a dollar seventy five an hour, I got into radio. Really? Now, so you started on the programming side. Yeah. And did you go up into programming that way? No, I got into sales pretty fast. I was going to ask, when did you begin selling radio? It was 19, maybe earlier, something like that. I was 16 when I started to work at the radio station. Okay. And what drew you to the sales department? Had a good guy that uh, worked there who kind of took me under his wing, and I went on calls with him and this kind of stuff. And primarily what drew me there is I was making $1.75 an hour. I had to make some more money. Now, you weren't one of those guys that looked in the parking lot and said, uh, how come these cars look different than those cars? <laughs> no, I wasn't that guy. Okay. But you were just looking for an additional way to generate some more funding. <laughs> yes. All right. And and so did you enjoy selling right away? Um. Yeah, I did. I did. It was pretty difficult, I guess, in the beginning. You know, there was really no training or anything like that anybody gave you. Uh, I was calling on this one client, and I took my advice of my boss and said, set up a milk route. You know, call on the client, same time every week, same time of day. I said, okay. So I had this one guy. I went by every week, same time, same day, for a long, long time. <laughs> and he he told my boss, he says, I don't know if that young man knows what he's doing, but he certainly is persistent. And so he mm. finally gave me an order. Yeah. So and isn't that the way it works? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Consistency uh, breeds familiarity. And if you're trying to help people, they probably can't help themselves, but give you a shot, right? Right. Right. So... Uh, look, I'm going to jump ahead and then I'm going to jump backwards. So let's do this first. I want to know what you love about radio today. What's happening in your life today that you go, God, I really love this about the radio business right now. I just love going to work every day. Um, We run a for real radio station with for real radio people in the building. 
Um, we run our day-to-day -day operation the way we want to run it, as long as we don't go crazy. And right. um, the company I work for is very generous in many ways. So I, I like everybody I work around. I like what I do all day. The best part about being a manager at a radio station is that you get to mess with all the departments. I mean, you can, you can mess around with programming a little bit. You can get into engineering a little bit. You can do sales a little bit, promotions. I mean, you know, you're kind of in everything about a radio station. And that's what well, some people would say that that is having an affinity for all types of creativity. And I'm a big one for promoting the importance of creativity in our business. Sure. Yeah. So you would say that's true, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So um, let's talk about 1993. You began a successful run in Gadsden and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I want to know what you learned during that time, because as far as I can tell, is that your first manager's job? Uh, no, I was I, actually it's not on LinkedIn, but I managed a class A in um, Chattanooga uh, for three years um, as well. Uh, and before that, I managed a group of seven markets, very small radio stations for a company out of Nashville. Okay, so by 1993, you'd had a variety of experiences that led you to be able to to do Gadsden and Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, yeah. So what did you what did you learn from that period of time in that part of Alabama for radio? Well, interestingly enough, I grew up with the radio station that I was managing, and when I grew up with that station, it was a hundred thousand watt powerhouse in the region you could hear the station from birmingham to chattanooga uh, and it was a top 40 station and it was just it just everybody was listening to it so i i roll into town and i'm listening to the thing and i'm going something's wrong here and so i go into the music director and i say young man how many songs are you rotating in a given time and he probably said 1350 songs sir and I went, I said, you know, you're going to have to cut that down to about 300. And I thought he was going to die right there on the spot. Okay. Uh, but we got through all that. And what I did, what I learned was go back. Sometimes you got to go back to your roots. And that's what we did in, uh, in Gadsden. And we took this, uh, this uh, 100,000 watt FM station. We, uh, we had a guy named Rick Burgess that was on mornings. Um, we put the engineer whose name was Bubba uh, on with him and that grew into the Rick and Bubba show which is syndicated now out of Birmingham yes um, and has been uh, been number one in Birmingham for a long time long long time well and and it's more than just Birmingham because that show has a regional tribe mm -hmm. yep very definitely and and how did you know to put them together Mark? Oh, I really didn't. I really didn't. <laughs> um, okay. It was one of those, okay, this sounds really good to me. This this might work. And, you know, we're in Alabama. And uh, they they called themselves the two sexiest fat men alive. And, you know, it just was too much. It was really what's good. Not to, what's not to appreciate about that, right? Right. Great slogan. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, All what's right. interesting well, is in Gadsden, Alabama, we started selling Rick and Bubba merchandise. And one one Christmas, we did about $15,000 at Rick and Bubba merchandise, best of tapes, T-shirts. 
and all of this kind of stuff, you know. And I think, you know what, what I, I realized, I said, you know what, Christmas morning, people are going to be opening this up. And there's my station. That's where it's going to be, right there under the tree. That's so I right. thought that was, that was kind of good. And we made a bunch of money off of it as well. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I love the honesty and the answer of, uh, I really didn't know. It just seemed like a good idea. And I thought it might. That leads to a great question. What makes a good manager, in your opinion, for radio? Um, whether you come from programming or sales, whatever, um, I think you have to understand uh, the people part of this very, very, very carefully. Um, you know, and I've learned through trial and error sometimes. But in our building, this is hanging on the wall in, in, in my office, in the sales department's area, business manager and the operations manager. And it says something along the lines of, our employees will never care about us in the way we want them to until we truly, genuinely care about them. And um, we kind of live that, and it it seems to work pretty well. Um, Makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think does. that's that's largely overlooked. And, and I'm going to say this because I've known you for a little bit. People who may not know you may not understand what a cheerleader you are for your team, but you see it all the time if you're in your sphere of influence. Listen, you went to work for the old Clear Channel. Uh, the work you did there was focused on a wide variety of opportunities. What did you like about having influence on more than just one market back then? Just more fun. I mean, more things to to play with and and do. I mean, I really enjoy what I do, and so it's like, hey, give me a give me a group of radio stations that are underperforming. Give me one that's a dog. You know, give me something I can I can turn around and make make happen. Uh, that's what I always liked about it. And do you like having to balance all the different stations and all the different priorities? Yeah, it was it was still fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> So less on the stress, more on the fun. All right. Look, it's interesting to me that your career took a marked turn toward Florida in the 2000s. This you can make an argument about Jacksonville that that was a return to Florida. But uh, Jacksonville is really uh, maybe the redneck capital of of southeast Georgia. Yeah. Jacksonville is South Georgia is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you enjoy about your time specifically in Melbourne and then in West Palm Beach? I was I was uh, I've managed one station in West Palm Beach and I had a group of radio stations on the Treasure Coast, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, Vero Beach, Fort Pierce and Stewart, Florida, along the market. I worked in Melbourne where very, very briefly for Cumulus. So mm-hmm. um, I went down kicking and screaming, uh, honestly. Um, I told my wanted a job. And um, um, because I had built myself a really nice nest in Tuscaloosa, and I was having a great time of it, right? Well, uh, they won the fight <laughs> and right. uh, sent me down there. And, uh, you know, the, the, the couple of things that I tell everybody that was going on when I got down there, they hadn't made budget in ever. <laughs> and um, the guy that managed the place had canceled the janitorial service, canceled the yard service. Uh, the place looked like hell. He'd run around with a bag in his hand going through people's desks looking for pins 
and stuff so we could put it back in the supply closet. And I got there and I said, you know, I don't do any of this kind of fun. <laughs> do yeah. That. You know, so let's call the janitorial service and let's do this. So I, I met with the sales department and um, I said, okay, guys, I said, honestly, you guys have not made this operation, has not made budget in a number of years. Right. Okay. So I want you to tell me, when do you think we can make budget? What month? moving forward that we're going to hit budget. And I said, I know it's going to take a, a little time. So don't say next month or the month after. Let's let's say, you know, down the road, what month can we make budget? And they talked amongst themselves. I've talked to them, blah, blah, blah. And they came up with May. I'd gotten there February, January, something like that. May's a good time to make budget. Huh? May's a real good time to make budget. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, I told them that if we made budget in May, I'd give them each $1,000. And we had 10 sellers, something like that. Now, Lloyd, this is back in the day when I didn't ask anybody anything. <laughs> okay. Right. So I just did this. Um, so they made May and that, that took us off. And um uh, I had a I had a I had a pretty good country station, but it just wasn't resonating in the market very well. So I hired my competitors, uh, program director, and one other person from him, and, and he and I got together, and uh, the station sounded really good. Ended up being a number one radio station there, and I also had a classic hit station. And the craziest station I had was WZZR, which was a uh, a talk station in West Palm Beach and the Treasure Coast, except it wasn't a regular talk um, station. It wasn't politics. It was guy stuff. Okay. Um, and um, I expanded. It had one talk show on it when I got there, and that was the only thing that was making any money. And so I expanded the whole radio station to talk, you know, via some local people and some syndication stuff. And the, the radio station started doing some serious business. Um, we opened up a sales department in West Palm Beach, um, and we had one in Vero and one in Port St. Lucie. So I had three locations at one time with this group of stations. Lloyd, I'm going to tell you, we got there. When I got there, it was doing $400,000 in cash flow. Mm -hmm. My last year, it did $4.5 million in cash flow. Hmm. Um, so we, that worked out okay. Yeah, it worked out great. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then interestingly enough, um, oh, I'll tell you that during that course of time, Clear Channel was extremely generous. Um, our market earned a, a couple of a couple of years in a row, nearly one hundred thousand dollars in bonus money that I could distribute to anybody but a salesperson or a manager. So I, I gave my traffic manager 15 grand. I gave my production director $7,500. I, you know, I was spreading the happiness around the building. It was great. Sure. Very, uh, very good way to become popular, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so listen, you know, I love that during this conversation, stress never comes up. So you know that I'm going to interject it. So here it comes. Talk to us about recruiting. Uh, do you do a lot of recruiting? What traits do you like to see in salespeople that you're going to hire? Your recruiting is one of the most frustrating things, I think, with, with all of us in radio. 
uh, right now. We're not perceived by the young people as being a cool medium. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just the pool is very shallow when it comes to uh, hiring somebody. Now, with mm -hmm. that said, I have hired a lot of rookies and they've been very successful. Some have, some not. Uh, but, you know, we did have a training program and we 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 uh, we wouldn't let them out of the radio station for six to eight weeks. They couldn't leave and call the client. And during that time, we were spending time with them over and over and over again. And they were touching base with the rest of the radio station and this kind of thing. So we had a whole formula for we have a whole formula for uh, training people and it works for the most part. Um but it's difficult to recruit. And what do I look? I look for somebody that is intelligent and um, is a little hungry. And um, mm -hmm. that's about it. And then you give them a shot, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you that I do it a little bit differently uh, than some. You know, typically it's a here's your 90-day guarantee. And, right. you know, and they'll be gone in 91 days, right? <laughs> So I usually put up a a, a year plan for them so they know what they'll make the first year. Um, and we all, you know, the, the candidate and I agree on what that number is. Um, then they don't get nervous and they don't get, get you know, wound up about, oh, my God, the 90 days is coming. The 90 days is coming. Um, so the, I think that's one thing we do to help them relax a little bit and, and learn the business. Um, we have a fun operation too. So, you know, you get there, you, you kind of want to be there. It's, you know, it's not a bad place to be. Um, it's interesting. You've mentioned uh, caring for people first so that they care like you'd like for them to. Now you mentioned the word fun. Here's a quote about you. Mark is a multifaceted manager who understands all aspects of radio and digital media uh, far more then the numbers cruncher, he knew how to achieve results, motivate people at all levels of his operation. Listen, what drives your interest in all aspects of radio and digital media? Is that curiosity? Is it mastery? What drives you, Mark? Well, first off, I think I did a good job of writing that. Um, oh, good. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't write it. But um, well, that's that's all, just to all. be just to be clear, that is not a quote from you. Right. Um uh, it's curiosity. That's all. I mean, it's, that's really what it is. I, so I just, you, you become curious and, and you're always curious about what people are doing and how to piece it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, you know, it's a radio station is a little bit like a puzzle. You know, if you got one piece out of whack, you know, it's not going to work very well. Um, but when you got everybody kind of pulling in the same way and they have the same, um, you know, philosophy and the, and they don't, don't and they don't have any hidden agendas, uh, then you're, you're fine, you know. Um, but it's hard to get to that point, really is. Let me tell you what I've done a little differently in the sales department um, since COVID hit. Mm -hmm. um, I have decided not to grow my, I was a big believer in the biggest sales department you could possibly afford. And I had 22 sellers in South Florida. Um, and I, I, and I had that same thought when I got here and, and it kind of changed a little bit. Um, I've got four and a half sellers now. Mm -hmm. Um, we increased sales last year, 17%. And, uh, we got into this, this year pacing 
$400,000 ahead of last year already. Okay. Um, so I, I said, I want these guys to make as much money as they possibly can. And I told them that. I said, I'm not going to hire anybody right now. I said, I want you all to make as much as you can. And I, I mean that. And we're going to make it work. And uh, and we did. I, I don't think I have a seller making less than 100 grand. I got one that made uh, 180 in commissions last year. Oh, yeah. All right. Listen, I'm going to switch hats on you for a minute. Any business, and, and I don't care what it is, businesses generally tend to judge much of what is accomplished by revenue and the production of revenue. What can be lost in that is the value of talent on the talent side of our business. Yeah. Uh, you, and you look, you know the story, two kinds of people come in your building. There's product people and people who bring checks. It's very easy to develop that smile for the people who are bringing checks. Yeah. Do you think talent is is becoming more respected today again than it has been, or is it the same old story in radio today? It's somewhat the same old story. Um, uh, my belief is, and I truly believe this, is that the, the radio stations that are going to survive are going to be the ones that are tied very closely to their area and that they have announcers that are embedded in the community and are good, good communicators. And that's what we've got. We've got a, we've got a whole staff of it. Um, we recently changed our morning show and we hired, we got all kinds of uh, resumes and tapes and we took a chance on a, um, on a young guy that was in the market briefly uh, at another radio station. We hired him. His first book was pretty good. His second book, he was number one in every single demo that you can think of. He had a 17 share with women, 25 to 54, um, now we put a lot into it. We we spent a lot of money promoting him and getting him out there and the whole bit. But um, we're very happy with the results um, on that. My midday person's been there fifteen years. My afternoon guy's been there twenty two years. Night yeah. guy's been there fifteen years. I'm going to tell you something. There's something about that longevity too. Mm -hmm. I, uh, this is a little interesting to me, and I don't know if I'm going to get this exactly right, but you are going to be our guide. You're going to help me here. You went to work in Fredericksburg, Virginia in 2012, but it doesn't seem like you did that with your current company. Is that right? No. You know, um, um, I, I began looking for a job and, and I wanted to work for an independent company. You know, I didn't, First off, I don't think iHeart would ever hire a guy like me, you know, and you don't want to work for Cumulus. Okay, so, you know, it gets kind of thin after that. Um, so I was contacted by these nice people. Uh, they owned the local newspaper and they owned uh, four radio stations. Uh, they were in this massive building uh, downtown and the family had owned the paper since the late 1800s. And I thought, okay. It's going to be good. I could be here a long time. Yeah. Like I get there and um, the the guy that was uh, above me was fussing at me about, uh, about um, coffee <laughs> of all things. Of course. And, yeah. Well, you know, he, it was, a, it's a long story, but it's stupid. Um, I told him, I said, look, I said, this can't be about coffee. You're upset about something. What is it? 
And he right. said, close the door. They've been having problems with the bank and uh, the bank uh, sold their loan to a venture capitalist firm. And I said, great. And he goes, oh, they said, Mark, that we're going to walk hand in hand into bankruptcy and hand to hand out. The company, oh, before I'd gotten there, had bought a $40 million press. The old gentleman who was in charge of the, of the, the, you know, he was the father of everybody. He thought print was coming back. Forty million. I want to tell you, out. there's look. I know a little bit about this, and I worked for a company that had a lot to do with that. And it was, I think, real easy during a period of time we might be talking about to make the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. They they um, they don't they don't even use the press anymore. It's just sitting there now. Yeah. So it, so, was, sold, it was sold to um, um, Warren Buffett, and then Warren Buffett sold all of his newspapers to this other company. I forget the name of it, but they have downsized and downsized and downsized and downsized. And it, they virtually have, they may have one photographer, a couple of reporters, and that's about it. So, how did you make this transition over to Centennial Broadcasting? What, what in the world happened? Well, um, I heard that their manager got blown out. This was like um, uh, uh, July or August. And I didn't know the guy at the time, Alan Shaw, but I called him up and I said, hey, here's what's going on over here. I hear you need a manager. Let's talk. And he said, don't sign a non-compete. I said, I won't. And so we talked and talked and talked and I went uh, uh, to two visits for in-person meetings and they sent me through a uh, personality uh, test. And they Those said, are nice. well, well, yeah, they said the one thing that they were looking for is how calm is somebody during problems, issues, mm -hmm. calamities. Okay. And he said, you were double any other candidate we had as far as being calm during a, emergency or something and i said yeah if i if i get upset everybody's gonna get upset if i get you know start, right. my head starts spinning everybody else's heads are gonna start spinning so you know i i may be boiling on the inside but you know on the outside it ain't gonna show um and he checked me out with a, a bunch of people you know jim davis by the way absolutely yeah uh, jim was my competitor in uh florida and, oh yeah yeah, and Alan called him up, and he said, he told, he told Alan, he said, Mark Bass is a ferocious competitor. Hire him. Really? <laughs> we had a good time uh, down there. Um, and uh, um, so I was hired and uh, started, and it, it was an ever-loving mess. Nah, I say ever-loving. Great people on, on the programming side, been there forever, doing a great job. Um, the they had gone through too many managers over too many years. It was like every two years they were swapping out managers. Yeah. Uh, this, this is my 10th year now here. Um, it's hard to get traction if you don't stay somewhere for a, a good amount of time, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying you and, can't and just, do it. And I, and I, uh, I observed the staff with the best description is they had, they had PTSD from, you know, getting jerked around so much by different managers. And uh, sure, um, it, it was it was really difficult to gain everybody's trust in the beginning. It was really tough. Um, but it happened and uh, we had to get rid of some people. 
and we had to add a couple of people and this kind of thing. So we did, and uh, we started our uh, our journey, and it's, uh, it's turned out pretty good now. Yeah, I would say so. And listen, during this period of time that we'll just call the rise of digital, if you will, I want to know, when did you start moving into a fuller understanding for yourself of digital and the role that digital can play in your revenue life? It was probably about seven years ago. I started snooping around because I'd keep hearing so much about it. And um, we ended up signing up with a a white glove company, you know, that uh, basically produces everything for us. Yes. Um, Our first year of digital sales, we did about a quarter of a million dollars, uh, which I thought was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Now, at that that time, I could stand up and do 30 minutes about digital. Okay, I mean, we we were doing seminars every quarter. Um, You know, we were just everything you could possibly think of. And it was very time consuming, very, very time consuming. So at the end of the year, I started I sat back and I started reflecting on all this. And I started looking at the numbers and I said, you know, I'm making anything off this digital because about half of it has to go to the provider. Right. And then you got to pay commission. <laughs> yeah. And then you got nothing much left over. Um, so out of, you know, out of that 50% goes and another 15%, 65% doesn't, doesn't show up, you know, basically. That's right. Um, and so we back down on, this is going to sound odd to you we back down on that tremendously um we no longer with the white glove company um, we use a local person who does everything they do um when we do it now we switched because i was hard charging digital and i know the, the sales department was a little frustrated and you know they, they were trying to learn it at the same time and you know and it, it's a different animal and, um, I, you know, I, I said, guys, I said, are we wasting a lot of time on this and making you know, very little money? And they all kind of said, yeah, kind of. And I said, OK, so here's our philosophy now. And it should have been all along. And I should have said this the day I walked in. Let's just do what's right for the client. If it's mm-hmm. digital, ah, sell them digital. If it's radio, sell them radio, you know. Don't go in there hard charging by and claim to be the expert on digital because you're not. You're a radio person. Okay. But let's do what's best for the client. I see these other companies in in the country and they they do digital, right? But I also notice that the average growth of some of these companies is somewhere around four and a half to five percent. So are you selling more digital and less radio or what? because it doesn't feel like it's working out for some of those companies. Um, So we dug in pretty hard and here comes COVID and COVID hit us to the tune of about a million bucks. Oh yeah. Um, We paid everybody uh, through COVID. We paid uh, the sellers um, 80% of their best commission check that last year, uh, every month. we were able to hold things together. Now, I think one of the keys to our, our recent success has been our coverage and what we did during COVID. We had so many clients calling saying, hey, I just, I got to cancel. And we would go, no, we're going to keep you on till this blows over. And then 
we can get back together. And they go, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we get this couple of dozen clients. Right. Um, and, you know, because what did I have to lose? Nothing, you know. Right. Uh, Will. Um, we also have a news director. And this guy was fabulous about reporting local stuff and gathering up the stats and the whole bit. Um, we also did a feature on um, Fridays called uh, Free Plug Fridays, mm -hmm. uh, where you could register online and uh, we'd call you on a Friday morning and let you give a free plug of your, your business. You know, um, So we wrapped ourselves around the community pretty hard during all of this. My competitors kind of... Well, telemedia did a pretty good job, but the, the alpha stations kind of disappeared. Um, and when we came out, we kind of realized that, hey, my news director does a daily talk show on our AM station. It all of a sudden was getting all kinds of attention. And the clients that we had helped became extremely loyal clients. You bet. Um, and so we just kind of took off. Um we, we after you know we got out of COVID, um, we do between three point two and three point nine million a year, um, and we're probably the highest billing station and our cluster in the market. Um, but um, the digital thing is is a little disappointing to me um, because we 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 did it, we tried, we gave it our best effort, and it's like okay, I don't think this is going to work out very well and so since then our our uh, sales have gone up and our profits gone up nicely and you know i've got a very small company i've got one guy that owns the place gordon gray i've got alan mm -hmm. shaw who i adore is the president steve watts is our chief financial officer and he's the smartest man on earth so that's the whole company you know um, right and have so you done anything really to address profit margin for digital or have you done any work in that area? No. Uh -uh. Now, other than the local guy, it's a little bit, the margins are a little bit better, um, but he's got to make a buck too, you know? So mm -hmm. um, I think if if I was a big organization, I'd probably have somebody designated to this, maybe two somebodies, and have a way that we could do it ourselves. Um, a lot of companies, I think Beasley bought a, um, a um, white glove company. I think they did. Well, Beasley's done a number of very interesting things, for mm -hmm. sure. You know, my boss is co-chairman of Beasley Broadcasting. Is that right? Yeah. Very good. Alan well, was, listen. Alan, he was COO there for a long time. Nice. I, I do want to ask this part, and only because, you know, you get into tenacious areas when you talk about how much emphasis do you put on digital? How do you get more profit out of it? How do you focus as a radio company without giving up radio to do the digital? And how do you focus on, you know, trying to make sure you've got that good balance and you're doing what's in the best interest of the client at all times? What's the hardest part of being a market manager in today's media world, Mark? I think, I think the hardest part is probably... Lloyd, I, I I really think it's a people issue. I think the hardest part is finding the right people to do the job. I think that's the biggest yes. problem we have. Um, it's I funny people, how it all comes down to people, right? Yeah, it really does. You know, Lloyd, I think that what's going to happen in radio is that these marginal radio stations, we have a couple here that are rim shots to the market, but mm -hmm. we don't have any ratings or revenue. Those are all going to go away one day. 
And the big brands that have a big name in the market that have out there and been out there servicing the market and getting involved and putting your name out, blah, 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 blah. Then they're going to survive and they're going to do okay. Um, but I suspect there's a lot of stations just going to be shut down. That's interesting. So as you look at your crystal ball going forward, you really think it's going to be, there was a road, what is it? Two roads diverged in the woods. And I took the one that right. Uh, was branded. I took the one that was involved in community and that has made all the difference. Right. Instead of going, let me see how cheap I could run this radio station. Let me voice crack this, voice crack that from out of town. Let me do this. Let me do that. I can I can cut the expenses dramatically at my radio station if I wanted to. We recently uh, 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 dumped, I don't want to say dumped. We uh, aren't using total traffic um, anymore. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I did that was I didn't want cats and iHeart to have access to any more of my inventory. And right. uh, uh, we're selling it local. We're doing a pretty good job of it. But it increased my expenses about $45,000. Well, you can afford to do that in the structure that you have, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Mark, I wanna... The company was very supportive of all that, too. They were very supportive. Right. I want to thank you for being our guest today. It was great to spend this time with you and especially about some of the tougher things that our business where people are having to make decisions based on, you know, what's happening right now. And uh, it's great to have a manager talk about seeing down the road and what's going on. I appreciate you talking with us. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for doing this. And I'd like to say too, is um, uh, radio has been extremely good to me. If, if somebody had told me when I got on radio that I would have what I had now and be this happy still, I would have told them they were crazy. So I, I've done very well, and radio has been very good to me. Very good. Listen, get more free resources to help your sellers with our Encouraging Sales Success Series inside the blog at RainmakerPathway.com anytime. We're here to encourage radio pros at all levels. That certainly means your salespeople, too. Subscribe anytime to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. Listen to our episodes in our large and growing archive. We have almost 100 episodes now. And, of course, we have new episodes every month. Monday night and some sales episodes you don't want to miss for sure. And I promise you'll be encouraged. You will learn unexpected and valuable things in every single episode because of the value that comes from our guest. Remember, if you know somebody that you would like to hear as a guest on the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, email me. It's easy, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. We like to say this at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you want to know more about that, uh, reach out for me. I'll be glad to share it with you. Uh, We do want to thank our special guest for this podcast episode, Mark Bass. He is the market manager for Centennial Broadcasting, WBQBWFVA in Fredericksburg, Virginia, for being our patient and giving guest. Of course, a very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available in minutes after we finish this uh, actual recording. 
and uh, JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. We do like to get you to share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast with others that you know are into radio, audio, or simply want to be encouraged. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from this episode, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers, and good night.